Hey, what's up, everybody? How are we today? All right, good to have all of you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors here in our staff, and it is like the day after Thanksgiving. Is that right? Did y'all have Thanksgiving yesterday? Is it two days ago? Three days ago? How many of you guys are still in a fog because so much turkey you ate? Anybody in a fog because your team did not win yesterday? Yeah. Are you guys still thankful? Yeah? So, listen, we are wrapping up our series called The Good Life. And uh, we've, had, we've had an incredible experience. This has been an a eye-opening experience, uh, both for myself and I hope for you. Um, I, I want to say great job to my wife, Christy, who shared last week. Phenomenal job. Great job. If you have not, uh, if you were not here, uh, definitely go online and listen to that message. She ended her conversation, and the point of that day was really just to say that the good life really does involve being generous and being grateful. Uh, those are almost, almost synonymous. Uh, and, and so what we're learning in this series called The Good Life, if you really want to have a good life, to have a good life, you really basically ought to follow God's path for that. In fact, I mean, God wanted us to experience a good life. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it good, have it to the full. And so what we've learned is ultimately this whole conversation goes towards this idea of the better you can understand that it's not about serving you and serving others, the better your life's going to be. Essentially, that's kind of where this conversation goes. I know that that can sound like a downer, uh, but those of you that have had periods where you've kind of been absorbed in yourself, as, as I have, and I'm probably sure that most of you have had moments where you're like, but what about me? Who's taking care of me, right? You ever been that, had that little fit going on before? You're like, no one's noticing me right now. I want my, st-. right? You guys kind of have this vague look on yourself, on your face, like no one knows. But I know you know, uh, because all of us, it's, it's just like a gravitational pull. There is a gravitational pull in all of us to serve ourselves, and so what I want to show you today is, is basically wrapped up in a question. Um, the question is this. Um, what does it take for our lives to make a difference? What does it take? Because I think the, the goal for us, knowing that there's this gravitational pull for us to love ourselves and be self-absorbed and, you know, s- you know not selfless but selfish, th- th- that's in all of us, right? So what we've got to do, we've kind of got to, we've got to, got to script things differently for ourselves and go, the, go a different direction. I've, I've given a title. I don't always give titles to messages, but today my title is this. The good life leaves a legacy. The good life leaves a legacy. So what I want to, I want to evaluate and look at today is if you want to have a good life, what that's going to involve for us if we are doing what God's Word says, whether it be out of just like sheer I'm going to will myself to obey or you're doing it out of like, man, I love God because, man, what he's really done for me and how he's growing me, I'll, I'll do it because of that. However you arrive at this, when you are following God, when you're doing what he says, when you are like loving him back by serving what he wants us to serve, uh, then and only then will your life leave behind something that you would say that's good, that's worthy, that's noble, that's that's just, that's, you know, that's all the good things that God would want me to do with myself. What happens when we're following God like that, we leave a legacy. 
And if you're married or if you're not married, you hope to be married, but you've got friends, you've got colleagues, or you've got kids, or you have a spouse, we want to model for them and pass on to them a great legacy. Uh, I think about leaving a legacy a, a whole lot more than I used to. My youngest is 11. My oldest is 17. I've got one that's about to go off to college. And now all I think about is who are they becoming? What does that look like? Uh, how are they going to be when mom and dad's not around? All, all I do is think about is the legacy that we're passing on. And one day, Lord willing, not very soon, they'll have kids. And we'll get to see the results of what we've done, what we've passed on in their kids. And so what I want to do today, I want to ask this question, what does it take for our lives to make a difference? Because I think that's the question we have to ask if we want to pass on something that's, that's good. So the first thing I want to give you, I'm going to give you four things today. You've got this in your message notes. Thank goodness for, for people on our, on our administrative team that will put together worship notes even around the Thanksgiving time of the year so you guys can have those, take those home, relook at some of this scripture, apply it to your lives beyond just the Sunday morning experience. But the first thing I want to I answer in terms of what does it take to live our lives to make a difference, the first thing is this, and, and this is huge, so this is why I made this point number one. If we're going to make a difference, it's going to take faith. You can't make a difference in this world apart from taking some step of risk, some step of faith, putting yourself out there, going the extra mile. You can't be a person who makes a difference and you hold back. Just, just, just riddle me this in your relationships. Can you have a great relationship and hold back in the relationship? Can you, can you kind of close parts of your heart off? Can you, can you kind of close areas of your generosity off of the people who you love and have a great relationship, have a good marriage, have a good life? You can't. It doesn't work that way. So when it involves relationships, when it involves what God's doing in the world, when it involves you having a great life and making a difference, it's going to take faith. Now, let me just say this about faith. Faith is, faith is a belief, but, it, but this is going beyond just a thought a belief, a, a way of thinking, this, this is really taking this to a, a level of recognizing that there's something wrong that I want to fix. This is, this is saying if I want to make a difference, it's going to take faith, but faith is essentially how we see things. When Christy and I moved to Columbus, Georgia, we, we, we saw Columbus in a way that we wanted to solve some, some struggles. We, we recognized that, that, our, that our church, that we wanted to start, we wanted it to, to do certain things. We didn't want it to be just another church. We recognized that there's lots of military people in this, this city. We recognize there's a lot of brokenness in our city. We recognize there's a lot of homelessness in our city. And we said, hey, we want our church to not just you know, come together and sing Kumbaya and like, oh, we have faith, we believe. But we wanted our faith to be an action, that we would see things better or differently or, or recognize there could be some problems that we could solve, we could make a difference in. So faith is not just some belief. It's, it's seeing things differently. So we see it a different way. We, we, we began to craft statements, uh, like a mission statement. What, what does our church exist for? We said we exist to help people find their way back to God. In this last couple of years, we began to uh, really 
hone in and rewrite some of our value statements. If you ever walked outside in our lobby and looked back at this wall that's right here, you'll notice there's a lot of like value statements, shared values that we share as a church, and those are sort of guiding guiding lights for us about what we want to accomplish. I've, I've, I've In my brain this morning, I was writing out how, when we first got here, how we saw this church. I wanted to share some of these with you because I feel like this will help us dream. Maybe you craft these for your family or jump on board with how we see our church. But I see, it, I see our church as a life-giving place, a place where people can show up who are giving God and this whole faith thing and the whole church thing one last chance. I want people to show up and this be a life-giving place. That's why, we, that's why we rock out our band. That's why we make sure whenever we can have Ben on stage, we want Ben on stage, right? Because he's going to jump around. He's going to be, fi- he's that fireball, passion. We want people to recognize, hey, this is not just some service to show up in. This, this is something that we're fired up about, that we're excited about. We, we, we actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead, so therefore, this ought to be like a life-giving place, not a life-sucking place, right? That ought to be life-giving. That ought to give you hope. That ought to give you something to, to dream about, to hope for, to have joy about. And so we see a church, I'll give you a few of these, we see a church where people have found a real relationship with Jesus as opposed to a religious experience, right? Kind of like a, uh, I'm going to believe some stuff and clap my hands. No, no, no. We want people to have a real relationship with a God who is a personal God. Not your mama's relationship. You can't have her relationship. You can only have your relationship with God. You know what I'm saying? You can't just you can't you can't just kind of skirt on someone else's coattail and what they know about God and their experience of like, wow, he's really trustworthy. God really showed up in my life. God really spoke to me. God really gave me direction. He really I really felt his love. You can't have it based on somebody else's experience. It's got to be yours. And we want to move the city of Columbus beyond just some religious stuff to like a relationship with God. We believe that exists. We, we know it exists. It's, it exists in uh, many of us. And so we want people to know that. We, we believe and see the church uh, as a place where people are constantly taking next steps in their spiritual journey. That's why you will hear me oftentimes close out our service saying, what is God leading you to do today? What's your next spiritual step? Because we don't want this to be um, shallow or your, your, your faith walk drying up. We want this to be fresh. We want this to be exciting. And the, the, the killer to all faith is not taking the next step. What is faith? Faith is something that grows. Faith is something that you believe larger and not less in. And God exists to show off who he is. And for you to believe that he's bigger than actually you even know right now. And he is. So in order for us to recognize that, it's going to take us continually following by taking the next step of faith. Believing more as he shows off who he is in our lives. So we see a church uh, where God uses ordinary people, just like me and you, small group leaders, kids leaders, serve uh, team members, like even people who served us last week uh, through our M2540 ministry where uh, I think Ed told me like 450, 500 people this last Wednesday before Thanksgiving were served meals and given a hot meal. I even saw one of the emails that they sent out like, hey, don't bring some gravy you bought at Walmart. Make it fresh. Don't, don't bring some jacked up. You just 
thought about it last minute. We want to serve these people the best. And I was like, that's cool, Ed. He's like, yeah, we, we give the best around here. And I was proud of that. So we, we want a church that, that will really uh, recognize that God can use all of us, all of our gifts, all of our strengths, all of our abilities, all of us, all of us, the way we get to grow is by being the hands and feet for Jesus out there. That, that's how we ultimately grow. You know, I, I've, I've, we've thought about this and wrestled through how to help people really grow, really change, become who they want to be, who God wants them to be. It can't happen apart from serving somebody else. It just can't. It goes back to the fundamental truth. We all are on a pride ride. We're all on a ride serving ourselves, or we're on a ride of following God and serving others. It really is one or the other. A lot of us, we do both and. I mean, we're selfish. I, I'll serve somebody and try to find out what's in it for me or get a little glory out of the deal. That happens to all of us, right? But along the way, God grows us. He changes us. And, and it becomes about Him. It becomes about serving others and making Him the hero of the story in every juncture. So God wants to use ordinary people so that in turn, others would open their hearts to God. God wants to use you. He wants to use your story. He wants to use your messy story, right? God wants to connect you with somebody who's got a story that's going to be connected with yours because yours is so messy. So that's why we, we say, hey, don't check your bag at the, at the door. Bring it on in. Let us see what you got, right? Because I promise you there's going to be somebody else that's going to greatly value for some of the struggles you've been through, Right? So we say, don't check your baggage at the door. Bring it on in because God wants to use your beautiful mess to help somebody else's forever. God wants to use your jacked up stuff to lead someone closer to himself. We believe and see a a life-giving church where people are so compassionate that people would be drawn from impossible situations to a loving circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We, we, we have said this from the very beginning. We want this to be the most accepting place on the planet. And, and that's why many of you are here, <laughs> because you felt love. You felt like, you know what, I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't feel judged here. I feel like I can grow here. I feel like, you know what, I can let my hair down and be where I'm at. I know God wants me to continue to grow. I know, I know there's a challenge here, but where I'm at right now is where my struggle's at. And what happens to us, if we'll love people with where they're really at, God will open their hearts and continue to change all of us. That's how he works. God loves to leverage his grace through us and his mercy through us and his love through us so we can help people continue to recognize that he's, he's a God who loves us all. Um, I, I see a place, I see a church where we never stop searching for law, the lost people. Why? Because God never stops searching for us. As a church, that, that's, that's, our, that's our marching orders. I mean, that, that, why we exist. We didn't, my church is not in existence to try to just grow uh, and, and attract other people from other churches to our church. It's kind of like a dumb point to start a church, right? Let's just start a church so we can just get the pianist, and all the other people from the other church to come, come sing in this building and hang out over here. No, no, no. The point of this church, and I'm so proud of our church. You, re- you guys know this, that 55% of this church, we, we did some surveys uh, a year or two ago, found out that 55% of the people in our, our church, you, were never churched, did not have church experience, were not saved 
prior to my church. That's awesome. We've had, we've had thousands of people give their life to Christ, come into, walk out of darkness into the light and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could be set free from my mess. I didn't know Jesus could really save me and love me for who I am. That's happened here. So that's our marching orders, and we're not going to ever stoop and go anything different than what God's led us to do. We're helping people find their way back to God. That's what we do. Uh, we're also, we see a church where we're committed to prayer. Why? Well, because we realize that nothing can happen apart from God. The sooner we all realize it's not about us and we don't make it happen, the better we'll all be, right? Right? We, we, sometimes I know we can over-own stuff and think we got all that, and then you can have your pity partner. We can under-own what we think's going on in our little world, but ultimately, it's all about God, and, it, and it's all through Him. You want to be a better dad? Start praying. You want to see your marriage get better? You want to see your life and your heart just explode with excitement and passion and joy and, 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 and really be about what God's doing? Start praying. You start really spending some time praying to God, asking for what you need, talking about what He needs, letting Him shape your heart. He will shape your heart in the midst of your prayer. He would change you from where you are to where He wants to go. So we're committed to prayer. I see a church where Jesus is famous and all the glory goes to God. That's, that's why we around here oftentimes, we don't, we, don't, we don't wheel and deal a whole lot of titles. I mean, oftentimes I'll say, I'm Jeff and one of our pastors, because that's it. Jesus is the real guy. He, he's, he's, if I ever tell a story and I come out the hero, someone needs to punch me in the mouth. Right? It's all about him. He's the hero of the story. So he gets all the glory, and we know that all of it comes from him. So we see a church where people are finding the good life through being further and deeper connected to Jesus who loves us. So let me show you this. Ephesians, Paul writes and it explains uh, how it takes faith for us to make a difference. Uh, and he says this, he says this about kind of how it looks for us playing the role in all of what he's doing. Ephesians 2, 19, 22, it says this, God is building a home and he's using us all irrespective of how we got here, right? Whoever you think you are, whatever you think you have or don't have, God wants to use it. However we got here, God wants to use it, use you, challenge you, change you, grow you in what he is building. So, hey, you showed up today and you're hurting. You showed up today and you're tired or you're struggling or you're giving God and the church and this faith one last shot. Welcome home. I mean, you're, you're in the right spot. Welcome home to this beautiful mess. Because all of us, if we're honest, we need a dose of reality a dose of God to, to shape our hearts and to change us. He wants to do that. He wants us to feel at home in a place like this that he's building. He says, uh, the Apostle Paul, as he writes this, he says, he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Like in the early days, he used those guys. Now he's using you. He's using you. I mean, God's got a plan for you, a, a great purpose for you, a part of the bigger plan of what he's doing through all of us. But he's got a plan for you. That's the great news, right? I mean, like, seriously, God, you want to use me? Uh, do you know me? Like, yeah, I know you. I want to use every bit of all of you, even your messy places. He's using you, fitting you in 
this puzzle brick by brick, stone by stone. With Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that builds or holds all the parts together, we see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple which God is quite at home. See, I don't want to get off purpose as a people, as a family, as a church. I don't want us to get off the mark of what God wants us to, to, to what He wants us to do. Why? Because I want God to always be at home with us. And, and my fear is if we ever get off target, if we ever quit doing the hard stuff, I, f- I think God will go somewhere else. I think he'll just, He just assumed to be somewhere else where people are going to be available, teachable, and like willing to take those steps of faith. So, so I believe this is a challenge for me. It's a challenge for us to say, you know what? We're going to at all costs lead do and, and be led by what God leads us to do. So I, I remember hearing this story, and I've shared this before, that um, a guy came by some some men who were laying brick one day. They're out there shaping and, and trying to uh, do something with this these bricks, and he came by the first guy, and I think the first guy is kind of like just clueless. He just was doing it just because he was supposed to be doing it. But he said, hey, what are you doing? And, and, and the first guy said, I'm laying brick. What does it look like? Laying brick. And he came by the second guy, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm building the wall, right? Can't you see? It's like going up right here. And he came by the third guy, and he said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a beautiful, beautiful cathedral. And I think that's the point. We, we don't see ourselves in the big masterpiece of what God is doing in the world. We can't see our lives like defined by this day or this week or even this year or the next 50 years of our life. We've got to see our lives in terms of forever, forever, like all of eternity. See, we've we got, we got to recognize that this home, this earth is not our home. That's like, check that box. That's a great starting point. You want to, you want to start thinking differently and believing differently and operating differently? Recognize that this is not your home. That cause you to do some things differently. It cause you to live with a, a bit of a different perspective. This home's not our home. This home's not our home. My struggles here won't, won't be my struggles here forever. One day God's going to return for us and take us to heaven. Won't that be awesome? I mean, good news for Auburn, right? Good, need, good news for the Bulldogs, right? Kind of kind of puts thing in, things in perspective, right? Like, wow, that was a terrible loss. Eh, who cares, right? Sorry, dogs. All right, I can say that now because my team, Florida State, won yesterday. Anybody? Knowles, go Knowles. Anybody? I feel alone right now. So, all right, so, so um, here's the second thing I want to give you. If we're going to make a difference, it's going to take sacrifice. That's in your notes today. If, it, if we're going to make a difference, it's going to take sacrifice. And in, in, in order to, to do anything significant, you, you can't do anything significant apart from laying it down, like surrendering some stuff up. Just, just ask your spouse, right? Just ask your, ask your best friend. Like, the reason they, they love you, hopefully, if, if they love you, then it's because you've, you've sacrificed. You've been in a moment where they've seen your love for them. You've had those experiences where they, they were able to show off and model, like, hey, I, I got your back. I'm for you. But you can't do anything significant apart from sacrifice. It does not happen. You cannot fully love somebody or something apart from surrendering to it. Again, there's, there's, it's just this, 
natural gravitational pull in all of us towards selfishness. Selfishness. So what do we do? We, we, we choose it. We choose to live this way, to build the church not just for us who are already here, already part of it. 1 Peter 2.5 says this, You also like living stones, not like dead stones, but like live bodies, active bodies, faith steppers, faith followers, um, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. How does that happen? How do you become a holy priesthood? Sounds kind of spooky, right? No, no. It's, it's, a, it's all about offering spiritual sacrifices. God, what do you want from me? What's my next spiritual step? You want me to take a, a, a faith step over here? You want, me to, you want me to quit my job to take this job because you have a plan? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's to reach this guy that's like me or went through what I went through. That's the plan. You may not know that's the plan, but God says, go do this, and you do it. And all of a sudden you go, oh, now I know why God's got me where he's at, where he's got me right now. Now I get it. Now I understand why God's doing this in my life because he's, he's wanting me to make a difference over here. Maybe God wants you to take that kind of step. But it, it, it involves these spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are living stones. Um, I, I get really excited about some stuff that our church has got going on. You heard Stephen a moment ago talk about our, our Christmas Eve service. We've, never, we've only done a couple Christmas Eve services. You guys know this. You've been around for a little while. We've only done a couple. We kind of really never saw the need to do a Christmas Eve service. I know that sounds kind of crazy because so many churches were doing Christmas Eve services, but the way most churches do Christmas Eve services is all about just Christians gathering together, and that's great, but because we have a purpose of reaching people far from God, we thought, ah, then we realized, you know, Easter and Christmas Eve is when most people want to go check out God for the first time. You know, it's like people are like, you know, whether it's a religious duty or not, People can find a relationship with Jesus through that Christmas Eve service. So we said, you know what, let's do one this year. And, and because we know it'll be awesome, because our band's going to be involved, and we've got, we're bringing out all our best, and we've got these, oh my gosh, have I told you guys this? We've got these really cool wristbands that a church in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, is sending to us to borrow that are battery-packed and sync up with the beat that we control, and they light up to the beat. Can you just see how that's going to happen, right? Like thump, 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 red, blue, green. It's going to be awesome, okay? All right, so just picture an outdoor, dark property, property, lights, thump, good times. We're going to do some awesome Christmas stuff. It is going to be a phenomenal experience for you to be a part of what God is building. Invite your lost friends. You come play a role, make a difference, invite somebody who you know God wants to connect with. Um, I'm also really excited about we're going to close this year out big. Um, As we have done every year in the history of our church, we use the end of the year to to accelerate our church uh, by by giving a a big one-time offering. We kind of do like a, here's a Big give offering. We call it our Christmas gift offering. We close out the year by challenging the church um, that we want you to give a gift larger than you give anybody else to give it to Jesus this year. Sounds kind of corny, right? But it's, it's our way as a church to say, hey, let's think about what we could do together to make a difference. And closing out this year and just firing things up 
uh, even hotter for our church. It gives us opportunities to, to make haste and get ahead on some things. So here's what we're trying to get ahead on. This, this big offering will go towards three things this year. We are going to hire our first ever full-time middle school, high school youth pastor. And that's a big, big, big deal for us. And we're going to search. We've got, we've got uh, a company that's going to help us really search for the guy who fits this church, uh, our mission, and our city very, very well. Uh, we're looking for a great person, looking for uh, somebody that really uh, has the right heart, the right temperament, um, and we're, it's going to be a full-time position. So the money will go towards that. The money will go towards, obviously, our future facility. We're getting closer and closer and closer to being able to start construction. Those of you guys know, we have one acre of our land for sale. Uh, it's, a, it's a real blessing in disguise for our church uh, to be able to sell one acre for $500,000, one acre, when we bought all 11 for seven. It's a good deal, really good deal. We get to get that thing happening, sold, and we are off to the races. But we've got to give towards it so the bank will see that we're making progress. So they'll say, hey, we'll give you the loan for the construction, and you're, we'll be off to the races. So that's, that's happening. The, the last thing it'll go towards, uh, you heard, leave a blanket, give a blanket, or leave a coat, bring a coat that night. It's going to be cold out. Um, also, we'll take an offering that night for our homeless ministry. Uh, and we'll also be taking our, our year-end gift offering. We'll also go towards our local serve ministries, uh, predominantly our M25 homeless ministry. So that's some big, exciting stuff. So God is doing some stuff, and he's leveraging us as he's building what he's building through our church. And so um, this guy, this guy that uh, Jesus is telling this story about, um, is remembered like 2,000 years later because how he handled an interruption in his agenda. Those of you guys, uh, busy, mover, shakers, always on the go type people, you know how hard it is to, to stop on a dime and, and shift gears when you got a need presents, that presents itself. Jesus tells this story in, in Luke, um, and he's telling this story to this guy, and he says, uh, there was once a, a man traveling through Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, on his way as he was attacked by robbers. So here's a normal guy walking around. He gets attacked by robbers. They take his clothes. They beat him up. And they, they, they went off leaving him, this guy, half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. Um, but when he saw him, he angled to the other side and didn't go help this person. Then a Levite, a religious man, good news he's a religious guy. He's probably going to help. A uh, religious guy shows up, and he also avoids this injured guy. So two guys walk by, supposedly they're both like the people that would like do something, and they didn't do anything. They just left this guy. And he's got, this guy's bloody, he's, he's beaten, he's got nothing left, he's hurt. And then it says, a Samaritan traveling down the road came by, and when he saw the man's condition, like he noticed this person has a need. His heart went out to him, and he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him up. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's what ultimately we do as a church. Wherever we go, the role that we play in our, in our city and our society is lifting people up. Whether it's a physical wound, uh, physical hurt, or emotional struggles. We are, we are lifters 
encouraging and helping people. So he gave this guy first aid. He lifted him up on his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him what? Comfortable. This guy recognized, this guy loves Jesus because he made him comfortable, because he helped him out. And in the morning, he took out two silver, silver coins, gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take good care of him, right? Better take good care of this guy. I want you to take care of him. And if it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. So Jesus asked this question. He says, what do you think? He's asking this guy he's talking to, what do you think? Of the three, who, of the three uh, which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? And Jesus' answer is the one who treated him kindly. That's who became the neighbor. And the religious scholar responded who was listening. Jesus said, then go and do the same. That's what he says to us. If you want to live a good life, do that. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's not all that complicated. If you want to prick your heart, you kind of want to open your heart up to, like, more growth, more recognizing who God is, uh, shaping your life, shaping those around you, leaving a quality legacy in your wake, go and do the same. Dr. Martin Luther King uh, preached an incredible sermon based off this passage, and he boiled it down to two questions, and this is what he asked. He said, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? That was one question. What will happen to me if I stop to ask, if I help this guy, what will happen to me? He said, but the second question is this. Here's the second question that we have to ask ourselves. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question. That's the question for all of us, and that's the thing that breaks the greed in our hearts, that's, that's the stuff that we, got, we, we must constantly do to break the selfishness in our lives. Listen, this is not a, a sad, gloomy message that we get to give up our stuff and give up our hearts and, and serve and love one another. This is, this is, a, this is a happy message. Th- this is where the joy comes from. This is where the satisfaction comes from. This is where, like, you get happy and excited by serving somebody else. It really does work that way. It really does work that way. My, my wife and I had all my family come in town this last week, and the entire week we just wore ourselves out making them happy. We had the best vacation or the best Thanksgiving ever. We, we, we loved entertaining them. We loved doing the extra mile stuff and spending our money and doing our stuff and just taking them places, and just we just lavished them this last week with our love. Now, my, my oldest sister... The first time I ever shared this with our church, uh, my oldest sister has Parkinson's. So it made it extra special for us to just lavish her because everything she does is difficult now. All her, all her motor skills, everything about her, she walks slow. She, she's just, it's, it's just different. But it was such a thrill and a joy for my kids and my wife and I to serve our family. When you serve somebody else, other than you, you grow, you change, and you get happy. It, it, it's just the way it works. So Jesus says go and do the same. Third thing I want to tell you is this. If you want to make a difference, it takes generosity. You can't do it apart from that. You can't say to somebody, I love you, and subtract parts of your heart. You can't say to your spouse, I love you, and go give someone else the gift. 
You can't, you can't spend money on somebody else and have the people closest to you assume you love them. It takes generosity for people to know that you love them. Jesus modeled this. He was the most generous person in the world. He gave his only begotten son to model this to us. Psalm says it this way. Psalms 112.9 says, They share freely. That's what we do. I mean, that's what our church has done. That's what you're doing. Some of you are so generous, you share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds, guess what will happen? Your good deeds, when you do good deeds, when you serve like Jesus wants us to serve, they'll be remembered what? Forever. Is that crazy? Well, we're still reading about the, uh, the guy who served the Samaritan man, right? 2,000 years later, Jesus tells his story, still remembered. Your deeds will be remembered forever, and that's just not on this earth. Jesus is saying, I'm going to remember it in heaven. I'm going to bless you not only on this earth so you can continue to be a blessing to others. I'm going to fill your bucket up. As you pour it out, I'll keep filling it up so you can be a blessing to others. But I, I, I'll, I'll not forget in all of eternity. It will be remembered forever. So your, your needs will be remembered forever. And they will have influence and honor. Fourth thing is this. I'm going to give you this fast. I'm going to close. If you want to make a difference... The fourth thing is it takes urgency. It takes urgency. You can't see and have God bring something your way as an opportunity or a place to serve or somebody that you need to invest in, and you go the other way. You're going to miss an opportunity. You're going to miss growth, and you're going to miss experiencing God working through you. We really have to look at this life as urgent. One, we don't, we have no clue how much longer we'll be on this planet. Am I right? I mean, seriously, just, just a reality check here. Jesus is coming back for us someday. And the reason he's not back now is because he's waiting and hoping for one more knee to bow, one more person to confess that Jesus is Lord. They're gonna, they will know us. The people who are not found yet, who are lost, they will know us by our what? By our actions, by our love, by how we treat them. You can't do that apart from faith, apart from sacrifice, apart from being generous, and apart from realizing this is urgent. This is urgent. we we, we got to act. When God presents you an opportunity, you must act on it. We don't turn and bat the eye and go the, the other direction. We act on it. So my prayer is this today. My prayer is that your prayer, our prayer would be, today I will live as if this is the day that will be remembered. I I, I will live today as as if this is the day that will be remembered. Today, now, this moment, not tomorrow, today. Ephesians 6, 15 says this, Be very careful then how you live. Think of this intentionally. Not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Let's bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord, I, um, I just ask, Lord, that um, as we close the chapter on 2016, Thanksgiving, we roll right into December and then right into a new year, God, would you, would you help us, God, by pricking our hearts today, and leading us to whatever next spiritual step you would have us take.
God, I just I ask you to do work on us. God, I, I pray you'd prick our hearts. Remind us, tap us on the shoulder, nudge us. And, and, and God, I pray you'd help each of us today to recognize when you're leading and for us to say yes when you do. God, we just, we, we, we just pause in that. Let us say yes and take that step when you've led us to do what you've called us to do. Thank you, Jesus, that you did that for us first. In your name we pray. Amen.